Hello and welcome to WISMED On Call, a podcast from the Wisconsin Medical Society that looks at some of the top issues affecting patients and the practice of medicine in Wisconsin. I'm your host, Peter Welch, and with me today is Rufus Sweeney. Hey, Rufus. Hey, great to be here. So this is the last of our whole podcast series on financial literacy. How do you feel? Devastating. <laughs> Devastating. <laughs> that uh, we can't keep, we can do another dozen if you want after this. I'm game. Uh, so, so this course came, or this material came out of uh, your work at the UW. You're a third year medical student there. Uh, you're working with UW to produce this course for fourth year medical students so that they're well equipped in going into the residency uh, to handle some of the financial challenges. So really noble effort to help your peers out. So thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. For us at the Medical Society, this is a critical component to helping all of our members, not just our students and residents, but all physicians who continue to uh, need help, honestly, managing a lot of their financial decisions. So hopefully uh, people listening have listened to the previous 10 podcasts, but if you haven't, please do go back and listen to those. This series has been sponsored by WISMEDASSURE, the insurance and financial services arm of the Medical Society. It's also been uh, produced in collaboration with the WMS Foundation, and of course, thank you to the UW School of Medicine and Public Health for uh, for sort of loaning you to us. <laughs> so this is our last podcast, and it's about retirement, which is appropriate. So it's end of the end of the career. Um, what and, and sort of the subtitle here is is never ever ever raid your retirement accounts. Yes, Don't touch it. That's the headline. The joke I heard. This is being recorded during uh, the coronavirus uh, <laughs> uh, particular challenge right now, and. Somebody said, your 401k is like your face right now. Just don't touch it. Just don't, just don't touch it. So uh, so let's let's jump in and talk first sort of philosophically about the idea of retirement. You know, the sort of post-war baby boom idea of retirement. Yeah. When you hit 65, you retire and you go and you golf, you know, or you, yeah. you know, move to Arizona or something and you live out the rest of your days drawing down your retirement income and is that feasible? I mean, is that a reasonable image anymore of what retirement is? It's not, unfortunately. So it's it's kind of an idealistic image, and it's something that we uh, still aspire to. But the problem is that our our three pronged approach to retirement has has really um, significantly changed over the the course of the last like 40, 50 years. So what is that three prong approach? So it used to be that Social Security was. Um, you know, it was supposed to take a part of our retirement. Um, if you worked for a company for 30, 40 years, you were vested and you got a pension in that mm-hmm. company. Um, and that was great. Uh, and the company made good on that. And then you were a good boy or girl and you did what you were supposed to and died two years after retirement <laughs> <laughs> at 67. That's not happening anymore. Right. We're, we're too good at keeping people alive. And so um, that's sort of gone the way of um, the way of the dodo. Um, and we're left with the, the third arm, which is do it on your own, right? Save as much as you can. And, um, you know, the government has sponsored some programs like the 401k and like the IRA and HSA and 529 plans for college that do help. They, they're helpful in, you know, avoiding some of the tax penalties that are, you know, associated with, or I guess they help you with, with by deducting your taxes. Um, but... People aren't generally as good at saving for themselves as they are when companies do it for them, right? You can imagine why that would be. So we're left with this hard dilemma, right? Where in the physician world, it looks like 
you go through this four years of medical school and you go through this this residency training and then you finally graduate on the other side and then suddenly you have to save a ton of your money to just retire on time. Yeah, you're looking at this huge sort of loan balance behind you and this mountain to climb in front of you where you have to have another giant pile of money uh, that you have rather than you owe mm-hmm. uh, in some undefinable future year. It can be incredibly daunting. Right. i got to pay this off. i got to pile up all this money so I can stop working. I mean, like, I did all this so I could start just so I can stop. It can become a philosophical question pretty quickly. <laughs> right, 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 right. So so maybe let's start with the goal. You know, what is the, how do you know how much you're going to need in order to retire? That is uh, ho- actually a hotly contested, <laughs> debatable thing. So um, a lot of people say, for, for a while the dogma was, you need to have enough so that you um, can uh, withdraw 4% of your retirement savings and um, year after year and be okay until the day you die, right? Um, and the, the rule was like, if you have enough to do that, you're okay. Most people assumed that, um, that retirement would be, like they needed a plan for about 25 years. So 4% makes sense because mm-hmm. that would be 100% of your funds. Um, that said, there's a lot of controversy, controversy around that, both in people saying that might be a little bit of an overestimate and people saying that that might not be enough, right? And so this is also one of those things that's personality-driven and dependent. If you want to retire and live and, and, and live out the rest of your days on a physician income, right? that looks different than a person who wants to live out the rest of their days on eighty dollars to $100,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what you need at retirement depends largely on your goals for retirement. Um, most people don't have a mortgage when they retire, so that's good. That's helpful. Most people don't have student loans, which is also helpful. Um, most people's expenses are kept relatively low. Their medical expenses are the one thing that generally mm-hmm. goes up in retirement. Um, but they don't need disability anymore because they're not working. They don't necessarily need life insurance because they've got their retirement nest egg, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of factors that um, you have to take into consideration when you're thinking about your expenses at retirement that you don't take into consideration um, necessarily that aren't obvious to you when you're in your working years. So there's a big sort of components of you know how much do you want to uh, draw down or how much do you want to sort of live on in retirement when do you want to retire so how plan how long do you plan to live so you should plan that right uh and so or how long do you expect to live and well other than those three what do you really have to consider maybe what your vehicles of retirement are because it occurs to me say 25 years drawing down four percent but what if you're you have that invested and you're pulling off six percent your principal never goes down so, or your invested fund never goes down. So, tell me a little bit about you know what what are the sort of basic um, basic retirement vehicles that a resident or a young physician should start now, start today, mm-hmm. start yesterday, <laughs> start as, as soon as possible. So, um, I think the first one is the um, the one that unfortunately isn't available to many residents, which is the four hundred one k match. Um, the 401k match is offered usually by your employer. What it promises to do is that if you contribute a certain amount of your salary to a 401k, your employer promises to pay par- uh, to match that contribution to your 401k. So, for example, if you pay 6%, this is kind of the, the standard, the industry standard, 6% of your salary uh, toward, if you pay into your 401k with that money, then your employer can also will will offer to match that amount in your 401k, which is free money 
10 out of 10, take that, take that. <laughs> um, so, so that is, that's the first way that you triage money. This is, this is the most agreed upon part of retirement contributions. After that, it gets a little bit more controversial, right? Do you, uh, how do you triage your money after that? Um, it depends on a lot of variables. Some people will swear by um, HSAs, which is health savings account, mm-hmm. right? Um, the advantage of that is it's, called, it's what's called triple tax-free. Um, it's uh, sort of along the vein of a 401k in that it has a limit to the amount you can contribute to it um, annually. Um, but it's used for those emergency medical expenses and um, it can only be, it's an investment product that's only available to those who have high deductible insurance plan. Now those, those are, the definition of high deductible plan is subjective, but there are places online that you can go to, to check out what a high deductible plan looks like. Um, other people, in my opinion, that's not the best. In, in so why, just, just as clarification, yeah, why yeah. is an HSA triple, where are the three different areas in which it's tax-free? Yeah, that's a good question. Putting money in, I'm guessing, taking money out, perhaps. Yep. What's yep. the third one? The third one is that it's uh, state and federal tax-free. Gotcha. So state, federal, um, when you put it in, tax-free. And then once you take it out, it's also federally tax-free. So that's, that's a really nice perk of that. Um, other things are, other retirement vehicles are not necessarily... Um, triple tax-free, but often can be really useful. So most people have heard of a Roth IRA. Uh, Most people have heard of a traditional IRA. It's important to understand that distinction, right? So a Roth IRA is tax-free when you decide to take out, withdraw your retirement contributions. So as soon as you hit 59 and a half years old, Peter, you're not very close to that, but as soon as you're 59 and a half years old, you can start taking out that money, and you can do it without penalty and without taxation. Because you because you paid on the front end, right? So you uh, you've already paid taxes because yeah you've you've been taxed on the money that that you contributed to the Roth IRA. Um, on the other hand, you have traditional IRA, which is like we talked about in the in the taxation episode. Um, it's tax deductible, and so. That money uh, isn't taxed when you put it in, but it is taxed on the other end when you withdraw that money in retirement. And so you have to weigh. Most people agree that when uh, you're in your when you, when you're in your peak earnings years, it's a wise idea to put your your money in a uh, tax deductible traditional IRA. That's because it makes the most impact on uh, your taxes then at that moment because. Um, you're usually taxed at a pretty high tax bracket when you're in your peak earnings as a physician. Um, when you get closer to retirement and you start re- withdrawing funds, you're taxed at a lower tax bracket because you're usually not withdrawing a physician's salary worth. So you're, tax, you're taxed at the, the essentially salary you're paying yourself from, from that withdrawal. Mm-hmm. So that functions just like the typical tax bracket. Exactly, exactly. So what, what's your advice for a resident when they, we had some budgeting episodes, we talked about balancing loan repayment and, and debt versus investing. Now let's talk more about that investing. So you've got, you've got a pile of student debt and you've got an opportunity to invest in, uh, in a long-term uh, sort of retirement plan. You know, one thing we mentioned was that power of compound interest and in starting early. So right. what advice would you give on how to balance those, those two obligations knowing that 
you know, you've got to prioritize. We've, we've heard before this idea of like, you got to pay yourself first or, you know, do something. Like, so I, what, what's your right. advice for how to do that? So um, I would say that if you're a resident and you're listening to this right now and you have an average of, well, if you're an average resident, you have $200,000 in loans, you're sitting there wondering, hmm, you know, I, I have a lot of options in front of me, right? The, the, the first place I need to know where my money's going is um, how I'm going to approach paying those loans, mm-hmm. right? Um, because if you're, if you're like enrolled in an income-driven repayment plan, you're paying around $350 a month as a resident um, on, on loans. Um, if that's the case, then you may have some wiggle room to like invest what like some of the leftover money you, you have since you're not paying the full amount on your loans. Um, this varies obviously by region, student to student, right? Depending on where they live, um, how lavish their apartment is. Uh, <laughs> it depends on a lot of things. But if they have extra money left over, let's just let's just express that as a given because there's you know there's a lot of complication. But we'll just hypothetically, hypothetically. you have a hundred bucks left a month. Right. What do you do with it? So exactly, that's the big question. And and um, in my view, the the best way to allocate that money is if your residency does not have a match program with their four hundred one k, put it in a Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. And that's because you're you're at the point where a tax deduction doesn't do you any good. It doesn't do any good. You have the the, the standard deduction that you're having mm-hmm. that is built in for you already. The likelihood of you being able to deduct enough taxes to overcome that standard deduction is very, <laughs> very low. Um, the likelihood that, um, that you put it into a Roth IRA and that you can take it out tax-free and that benefiting you is, is really, really good, right? Um, so that's my advice. Put it into a Roth IRA and then... Don't touch it. <laughs> that is that is the last piece of advice. That's what I want. That's the headline and the last line, right? Yeah. The last line is don't touch your retirement funds. There are excuses. I say there are excuses re- on purpose because there are excuses that you can use um, to withdraw your retirement money without penalty. Like you can, you can. I almost hesitate to even bring these up because they're they're not smart decisions, but. Um, you can use it for example a, a down payment for a home mm-hmm. you can do that and you can you can take out you can tap your Roth IRA for that um, that is not a good decision to make because the compound interest that you earn from that money just parked there in the Roth IRA is so much more than if you just take the hit even if you have to pay PMI mm-hmm. take the hit it's fine um, you need just out of behavioral practice, leave that money in your retirement account. Because like we, I think one of the themes of this podcast is compound interest is magical, but only with time. (laughs) (laughs) It takes time. You have to have patience. Yeah, something you probably tell uh, your patients as a physician too, you know, that some of these things just take time. Well, that's a a good segue, Rufus. You're clearly a, a passionate person about this topic of of finance and uh, and how it relates to becoming a successful physician. I'm really grateful that you've taken the time to do these, you know, almost dozen different podcasts. Uh, I, I want to just circle back to that original motivation and and you know summarize for us why this is so important 
for physicians and for the patients they care for to be well-versed and to take care of their personal finances. Yeah, so um, physicians are a particularly vulnerable group to predatory financial professionals. And um, every uh, everyone from a pre-med student to a medical student to a resident to a full-blown attending physician um, is at every point in the way becomes more and more attractive to people who are looking to make a quick buck. They know that we have a high income, um, that we have, that we can, that we can make a financial mistake or two and eat it and be fine, mm-hmm. usually be fine. Um, but that's, to me, that's not acceptable. And that there's, if you can avoid making the, the big glaring financial mistakes, then, um, you can be set up, set up for success and ultimately, I think, avoid that burnout that we talked about. Yeah, I think if we can help empower the physicians of Wisconsin to just have more options, mm-hmm. to feel financially comfortable, to be able to, you know, we didn't talk a bit at all about, about this in the podcast, but, you know, philanthropic goals, you know, having goals yeah. to help people, to, to support people, to support things that they care about, you know, that comes with that financial security, that comes with that that peace of mind, um, you know, it's, it's why we're mission-driven here at the Society, right. at the Foundation, at, at Wismed Assure. You know, we're here to serve physicians, so we've been very privileged to be able to partner with you on this. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we're going to continue to partner with you on this, so please look uh, to the Medical Society in the future if you're listening to this for future resources, opportunities to engage, and honestly, just a network of physicians who care about this stuff too. Right. So. We're here to connect and, and empower uh, all the physicians at the state, and it's through working with uh, folks like you, Rufus. So thank you. Thank yeah, you for your work. Thank you, Peter, for all your work you're doing. Great. So if you liked what you heard, please go back and listen to all these other episodes. Share them with your friends and loved ones. Uh, if you if you like, uh, want to hear more, go to www.wismed.org. Uh, look for all of our podcasts there, and uh, subscribe and look for us wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much, and uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>